Welcome to Real Life Christianity with Deacon John Lozano. This podcast is about real life and living it in the light of the gospel. Real things, everyday things, relationships at home and work, real issues that the world presents every day, the complexities, difficulties, joys and aspirations of being human. Deacon John is a real guy, a deacon, but also a husband, a dad, a businessman, as well as an experienced counselor, educator, and author. And Deacon John invites us to come as you are as he brings the transformative power of the gospel down from the clouds to real life, your life. Hello, Deacon John here. Real Life Christianity. Greetings. This past Sunday, many of us heard this uh, reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he, he had, where he had grown up, and went according to the custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up and read what was handed to him, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. And he said, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. It says the eyes of all looked intently at him. Well, there was a lot in that look because they moved quickly from amazement to fury and they wanted to kill him. What were they so furious about? This is Jesus' hometown. It's where he grew up. And he's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and this is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's the thing, friends. Jesus was just one of the guys. He was like everybody else. He grew up there. They knew him for years. They knew his family. And he's saying this? Some people call this the, the scandal of familiarity. The scandal of familiarity. There's a lot of dimensions to this scandal. The first is, is how could they miss him? I mean, it's Jesus, the Son of God, divine. And it's hard for us. Well, they did miss him. 
dramatically in this gospel. And the first reason is because he's fully human. And we don't always grasp the fullness of his humanity. There was no halo on Jesus. No neon sign saying he's the one. He was missed because he was familiar. And this familiarity takes place in a lot of places today. I mean, I see it even in how people look at Christianity. They, they'll often say, well, yeah, I was brought up Christian or Catholic. I've been to church. My parents took me all the time. I've seen it. I, I heard it. It's not for me. Yeah, I, I kind of know it. I've been around it a long time. And I often ask myself, really? Have you really, personally, and seriously thought and reflected on who this Jesus is for you? What is this Christianity to me? Seriously. And I think often most people have not. They just assume that this familiar Christianity that they've kind of heard is all there is. Let me use an example uh, in real life. You know, you might grow up knowing someone from the neighborhood, from maybe grade school, then high school, Joe or Jane, or somebody at work that you worked with for a number of years. You know, you just assume you know them. You hang around them for a long time. Oh, that's this guy. That's Joe. He's like this. That's who he is. This Jane. Yeah, I've known her since I was a kid. We have a perspective on them. And we lock them into that perspective. But we don't really know them. And we don't always know that we don't know them. Because they're familiar. So one day, someone at work or this person you grew up with has a conversation with you and they really, really open up about their life, who they are, maybe their aspirations, their joys, their struggles, their pain, something very significant. And it's the first time that you really see them, know them, get a sense of understanding them. And through this, you feel a, a closeness, maybe even affection. You come to know the person, and it changes everything. It's the same thing with Christianity. We can be caught and lost and undermined through familiarity with it, as if we got it all. There's a great quote I like. It's one of my favorites. It's often attributed to John's gospel. It can be attributed to Christianity in general. It's is that this gospel or this faith is like a pool, a pool of water in which a child can wade and an elephant can drown. A child can wade and an elephant can drown. A child can wade in it. You could 
you can receive something in a childlike way and get something from it rather easily. And yet an elephant can drown, meaning the depth of this faith is so profound that there's no bottom to it. (laughs) There's so much more. You know, this familiarity also works uh, in a lot of ways in our lives. Uh, It can create a bias that we have towards others. And the bias that other people have towards us. I've done it to other people, and other people have done it to me. Use an example from my own life. I I remember when I was like uh, graduating from college and going to grad school, I I would come home and have dinner with my family and my sister and brother, their wives, husbands, my mom. And, you know, after, you know, just a short time at dinner, they started talking to me and and relating to me like, like I was 16. Like the person they knew years ago, the person they were so familiar with. And so the bias was there, and their patterns in relating to me just snapped back. And it was so frustrating. I wanted to say, wait a minute, I'm like an adult now. I've been to three colleges, I've traveled, I've lived in Europe for a year, I'm changing. (laughs) This is me now. And they couldn't, couldn't get past their bias. Of course, it was very frustrating when I started acting that way in response to them. It's this familiarity where we lock people in. And I've done it to other people. Uh, It's a little embarrassing, but I remember when I went to the parish, uh, I had a certain bias. I started working in a church. But before that, I had taught four years in a high school. So these were very young people. And then I uh, worked in campus ministry, taught part-time at a university for 24 years. And they were young people in their 20s. And my whole kind of ministry and work with people was with young people. So I thought that's kind of where it's at. It was exciting. It was wonderful work. I, I thought it was a great time of life. So I go to a parish and I find out there's really young people and young people, <clears throat> young married people, and there's a lot of old people. I found in myself a kind of bias against the old people. It's funny to say now because I'm one of them. <laughs> but I thought, you know, old people are kind of finished with life. They're older. The action, the real change in life and church is going to be with young people. And boy, I have to say, that the people that affected me the most over the last 18 years have been older folks, older people who have profoundly impacted me. Let me give you a couple examples. There's this woman in our parish called Lillian. She's quite old. (laughs) I'm not going to say how old because whenever I give a a number, people will come up and say, well, that's not old. (laughs) Well, she was old. She's very tall and dignified. And she was just this amazing, fervent disciple. She would sing at the five o'clock music ministry every Sunday. And 
just sing her heart out. And she was so old that she'd wobble up and she'd kind of shake when she was there. I was wondering if she could get through it, but she did it every Sunday. And every initiative that we took in this church, anything I tried to do, Alpha, small groups, Bible study, and I would call people together to discern this and see if we should do it. She always showed up. Always. She didn't say hardly anything. She smiled, nodded, and at the end said a word of encouragement. She wanted good things to happen in this faith community. She wanted people to come to know Jesus Christ in their life. I remember after uh, my homilies, especially when I started becoming a deacon, but every time after Mass, she'd come up to me, look me in the eye, hold my hand, and say, terrific, honey, terrific, honey. (laughs) She's the only woman other than my wife to call me honey. But she was so encouraging, especially in the beginning when I was really insecure with what I was doing. She affected my life, and, uh, and I know other people in a rather profound way. Another guy in our church was named Lou. He was this very quiet, older Italian guy who was just like this rock of faith. Quiet guy. But you sense this deep prayerfulness, this peacefulness, this maturity. And again, he was at church. He would show up to things, and you just almost wanted to be around him. But he was so quiet, but effective through his personhood. His wife got sick and cancer, and a couple years later she died. I I missed the uh, funeral, so I came up to him a couple days later and gave him my condolences. And this quiet, thoughtful, prayerful man looked me in the eyes and just said this, Part of life is leaving it. And I know where she is. And his words just went right through me. I was speechless. I was never before someone who accepted death so profoundly and proclaimed his faith so deeply. The last example was when I was in Haiti. We were doing a medical mission there, and I walked in the back room. My job was to keep people flowing through and seeing the doctors and nurse practitioners. And there was this woman just standing there. Uh, She was very, very old. I think her daughter brought her there, and she was standing in the back. She was very thin, just skin and bones. She had this dress on because the Haitians would uh, always put on their Sunday dress when they came to the clinic to see the doctors from America. <laughs> and she just stood there quietly. I, I wasn't sure if she, why she was there. So I walked up close to her and stood next to her and looked at her, and she just put her hand out and grabbed my hand and just held my hand. Like, held my hand for minutes. 
And she turned and looked up at me and just smiled. I could feel her hard, arthritic hands. And I looked at the deep lines in her face. She was probably, you know, 80 or 90 years old. And I, I thought, what did she see? What did she experience living in Haiti all these years? And yet, like many of the people there, she radiated this, this faith, this, this deep peace, even contentment. And she just held my hand. And I was drawn into something. Again, my mind went blank. And it, it was this divine moment being held by this person this so old, poor person of faith who still had this profound integrity and life within him. This is a turnaround. You know, we could turn this uh, thinking also around towards ourselves. You see, there's also a scandal of familiarity we have with ourselves. You know, it's the same thing. We say, well, I know me. I know all my strengths, but I, I got a lot of weaknesses. I got a lot of issues. There's not a, you know, I, I don't really, a lot of people say, I don't think God could use me. It's not going to speak through me. We have this bias against ourselves as we have biases against other people. And when we have this bias, we limit how God can speak or be with us through other people, and we limit how God can speak or work through us. That's the issue here. Just as the people's bias against Jesus limited them to who he truly was and what he could do, and say to them. So they rejected him and missed him. And we do this to others and we do it to ourselves. Now here's the thing, friend. Each one of those older people that I mentioned who had a profound impact on me, none of them knew what they had done. None of them knew the impact they had on me. But God profoundly used them. Friends, let's move beyond this bias, the scandalous bias of familiarity to Christianity, to other people, to the way we hold people in certain categories, and the way we hold ourselves. And look to this one who in this gospel is revealing himself in a new way. Not just as one of the guys, but as Jesus, a guy upon whom the Spirit of the Lord is upon and who has brought us his saving life and continues to do so through so many people so many ways, and even in and through 
you and me. And God bless you this day with new eyes to see. We thank you for listening and for sharing the good news with Deacon John, who asks you to come back often and support him by subscribing, by rating the site, and please share our site with others in your circle.